0: I'm Dr. Jamie Grant, I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. Welcome to Emergency Podcast Number 3. I'm here today with one of my beloved collaborators, a person who has desire mapped with me all over the world. We've done the workshop together in multiple languages, from New Zealand, to South Korea, to Cyprus, and then all over the U.S. from Denver to Dallas, to Detroit, to D.C. Jack Harrison Quintana is the founder of Grindr's global human rights program, which has created a sexual health resource center in 70 languages that literally millions of gay, bi, trans and non-binary people access every day to get critical, culturally appropriate health resources. G for E also has a global security program that helps users connect in countries where legal and social prohibitions make it difficult for people to find community and access resources. And finally, over the past five years, the program has made grants to dozens of LGBTQ groups, concentrating their efforts on North Africa and the Middle East. Today I want to talk with Jack about what he is personally doing to survive this era of social distancing and how we can use social media and social networking apps to help us get through this public health crisis of epic proportions. Hello, Jack. Thanks for being here.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Sure. And if you could introduce yourself by three descriptors as we do in the workshop, and then any other identity terms that are important for us to know about you. Sure.
1: Well, if we were sitting down to dinner, I think a few of the first things you might find out about me are I'm Latino, I'm from the South, I identify as gay, bi, and queer, kind of, you know, all at once, and and potentially even more than that. In terms of three desire identifiers, I identify as a baiter, which means that I center my sex life a little bit more around mutual masturbation than penetration. I also identify as a cub and a urinal.
0: Well, thanks for that. And one thing I know about you, Jack, is that you're a very social guy. Uh, I mean, (laughs) you you love face-to-face connection, love chatting, and in whatever country you're traveling to on behalf of Grindr, I know you're always out and about meeting activists, socializing, learning about LGBTQ work, talking to people about their families. So I'm really curious about how you're managing in this time of sort of in-person social lockdown.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, I do think a lot about love languages. I'm not crazy about that Five Love Languages book that kind of started that conversation because I don't necessarily share a lot of values with the author, but I do... Uh, you know, think a lot about the different ways that we show love. And for me, the number one is quality time, you know, just spending time with people talking. And I'm a little bit used to there being like a bifurcated thing in my life where like sometimes I'm on the road and I'm in person with people for like 12 hours a day. And then other times I'm at home and I can get some uh, more isolated time. But (laughs) This has definitely tested my limits. Um, I'm not crazy about it. Um, I feel very lucky that I live with a partner. I don't think that if I were living alone, I would be doing as well as I am. And, you know, I'm just, a part of it is I'm trying to embrace the digital connection. Like it doesn't feel the same to me, but it does do a lot. And I have really benefited from the thing of like, Well, if we can't be in person, then some of these Zoom group chats or whatever, you know, can include people who don't live in my city. And I'm a person who has family all over the world. So that actually is kind of a silver lining a little bit.
0: Right. You know, I'm a person in recovery. And one of the things that's silver lining for me is that everybody's meetings are on Zoom. So I actually can go to meetings with people I love. Mm -hmm. That I wouldn't otherwise be able to. So I'm in new meetings with people in recovery who I love so much. And I usually, that's just not part of how we are together. And I know you just wrote something talking about how social networking apps can help us right now. Do you want to give us a couple of highlights from that piece?
1: Yeah, well, you know, for me, I've spent the last five years traveling a lot with Grindr meeting grinder users and LGBTQ activists and community members all over the world, but especially in places where, you know, it's, it may be illegal to be LGBT. It could have the death penalty. Just, you know, really tough spots for our people. What I'm thinking about a lot right now is how much we in the U.S. who have, for at least some of us, at least, you know, many of us, have a little bit more space around that. We actually have a lot to learn from the queers who live their life in a little bit more like lockdown, right? I just think about the way that grinder is used in some of these places. I uh, just got back from Egypt recently, and you know, in a place like Egypt where people are regularly arrested for being gay right. and even sort of pursued on. Grinder and the apps, most people are not connecting on social networks with the idea that they are going to meet in person anytime soon. There's a lot more online chat that's just mutually supportive. There's a lot more just uh, getting to know you period and building a relationship online. And then potentially someday you do meet, whether it's for a hookup or a date or just as friends. But really, so many queers in the world do this. And that's sort of the model that we have to use right right now.
0: It's making me think about that, you know, for many years, the people who I rely on the most sort of emotionally, uh, politically, their thinking, uh, the people who I feel most aligned with or connected to, very few of them have actually been in my neighborhood or in my town Mm -hmm. or down the street. I feel so fortunate that you and I live Close by and can often see each other. But it's a rarity for me. And so, what's coming to mind is I mean, I haven't thought of this so clearly before this lockdown, but Mia Mingus, who's a great disability rights yeah. activist, has this concept of us having pods. Disabled people who are looking to build resilience and ensure their well being, she suggests that everybody map these pods of who they need to have to care for them, to be with them, to strategize, to think, to love, to support. And then there's sort of these different rings of intimacy. Mm -hmm. You have your intimate ring and you build out. And I think it's a really good model for us right now. And Mia's blog is called Leaving Evidence, which it's just fantastic. But I do think so often, like you said, the global queers have so much to teach us. I feel like disability justice activists mm-hmm. have to teach us in this moment as well.
1: I think that's right. For me, the other thing that's just really hard besides quality time, one of my love languages is touch and sex. Mm-hmm. And I'm a person who, you know, I always joke that I work at grinder and I hook up every day, which is maybe like a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. And the, variety of people and modes of sexual expression and just like my sort of network of close fuck buddies is so much a part of my self-care routine in my normal life that I don't have access to right now and that is very difficult I mean it's fine I'm not I'm not my it doesn't make my mental health so bad that I'm in any kind of danger but just to not have access to that piece of my life is just hard. I, I think the last time we recorded or maybe two episodes ago that I was on I talked about like sometimes when I travel and I don't have access to my sort of sexual network it's as difficult a part of the travel as the jet lag. Right. and You know that's true now. Right, And right. it's even weirder in some ways. It's kind of a mind fuck because so many of my fuck buddies are within a 10 minute walking radius of where I am right now. And I yeah. have no access to them.
0: Yeah. So what do you think we should be doing to support ourselves, you know, our sexy selves? Like you said, for a lot of us, the ways that we express ourselves sexually, whether casually or in our intimate you know, and our really like, you know, core, whatever our primary partnerships or whatever you want to call them is it, it's like, it's a core part of how we build our own health, right. And mm-hmm. take care of ourselves and have, it, it's a part of how we balance ourselves. Right. And yeah. are you thinking about new ways to do that? I mean, are you using the app to stay connected? Does that feel good? I mean, what's working for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so I'm definitely using the apps just,
0: you know, to talk to people, um,
1: mostly the people who I already sort of am connected to, and that's just the way that we communicate, and that's sort of how we met, or that's how we know each other. I know that we're not really in the business of giving advice a lot of the time, but I do, you know, one... One sort of piece of advice that I've come to from my own experience and just from talking to a lot of people right now is that I would just encourage everyone at a basic level when they're trying to think about their sex life right now and that energy is just to listen to yourself. Because I know some people who are saying I'm really stressed out and it makes me way hornier and I want to have five... I want to have five orgasms a day. And usually I'm a two a day kind of person or whatever. And right. I think that's great. And then I also know people who are saying, I'm really stressed out and it's really just killed my libido. And I don't want to masturbate. And I don't want to have phone sex. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that that's, it's like, you know, just like every, all of our kind of sexual liberation curriculum is based around, like, you know, your own path and you know your own needs and listen to that um and i think it's particularly hard for people who are locked down with their partners and who might be having those two different experiences within the partnership right like one partner is more shut down because of the stress and one partner is really amped up right and i just think you know the only way to navigate that is to everyone has to honor their own Reaction to this, and communicate, you know, and see where you can get to together. But, but in terms of you know ways that I'm thinking about me or other people doing things right now when we can't be hooking up like we might usually be is like you know I really think like what an opportunity to masturbate and get in touch with yourself. Um, you know, I just did this great workshop at Creating Change. Which is a conference that we always do desire mapping at that's run by the National LGBTQ Task Force. Yes. I just did a great workshop there on masturbation and sort of masturbation as self care and a liberatory practice to fuel our justice work. And I feel like I couldn't even have foreseen that that would be so important right now, <laughs>
0: right.
1: you know, as we're so isolated. Right. But all the things that I said in that workshop that are like, you know, when you masturbate and you learn like what feels good on your body, you learn what you're fantasizing about that gets you off, like all of those learnings, like this is an opportunity to really dig into that. Yep. And then the other thing I mentioned is phone sex. I am a big fan of phone sex. I have been for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm a very verbal lover in general and an auditory kind of person in general. I'm having fun connecting with people on the apps who aren't even necessarily living near me, so they wouldn't usually be sort of on the menu of possibilities, but we can totally uh, have fun on the phone and explore fantasy and some abstraction that really, I think, can be challenging to do with someone in person because it can be so vulnerable.
0: Yeah, you know, what I I love about what you're saying is it's just reminding me, of when we do the workshop, what I feel like happens in the room is that everything just sort of slows down. It's like there's, there's a real commitment to listening closely to what each person is saying, to honoring every story that gets told in the room, to breathing and taking it in. And I feel like that thing you're talking about where you know, you end up getting polarized if you're locked down with a partner and one person wants to have sex and one person is supposed, you know, supposedly doesn't, or, you know, they're really shut down, um. is trying to give yourself the space to breathe, notice each other. Mm. One of my favorite things that happened in a desire mapping coaching session I had once was with this person who'd been with a partner for 10 years and was really not feeling, you know, I was absolutely crazy in love with this person, and was feeling not sexual at all toward them and hadn't for years. And once we did their desire map and they sort of became alive again to their own journey and their own story and was just in a sort of lively conversation about their own memories and possibilities and were laughing again about things that had formed Mm. them and mattered to them. Then at a couple's massage with their partner, Mm. and the partner gets up and starts to get dressed, and they turned and looked and just saw the spine of their partner's back. Mm. And they were just overcome with desire, right? Mm. And that story, I mean, I just cried when this person told me because I knew it was such a relief for them to find feel mm. their desire for their partner but you know things are really slowed down right now in kind of an amazing way if we let it be that we, we're not somehow pressured and pushing ourselves to produce and hopefully we have enough of support to not be right. in crisis which i know many of us are right but i want to say for people who have the space and can get the space to slow down in this period. Just think about it even in my own household that uh, I'm locked down with my two kids and I'm really trying not to be in their business all the time so they can just kind of have their own mode but they're just laughing and talking Mm. to each other so much and I'm just noticing kind of the beauty of their relationship every day in a way that just makes me feel so great and so grateful and so amazing for them. And it's just not something I would have had the space to stop and notice necessarily before now. So to the extent that we are forced into this space and we have it, how can we use it to slow down and pay attention? And um, the other thing that, that really came up for me as you were talking is just how enlivening storytelling is see this in the workshop all the time, but when you're talking about having good phone sex, a great moment in Shannon Perez Darby's inaugural podcast, she was our first guest. She said, when someone asks her a direct question and says, what do you like? Her answer is generally, I know exactly what I like, and you'd have to torture me to tell you. (laughs) You Mm. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what I like. She's shy. She's Mm -hmm. like, not it but her way of instead of being in that excruciating moment is to have conversation and when she can tell a story about her desire to someone she's crushing on Mm -hmm. tell a recollection of something that went well tell a favorite on her hit list of things in her own history so i think those kinds of engagements whether we're having phone sex with a buddy or whether we're sitting with our lovers our partners or people we're locked down with can really be enlivening and create possibility i think that's totally right and you know i feel like
1: that's that is part of what i mean about the phone sex i mean it's it's one thing to have phone sex with someone you know Mm-hmm. In which I sort of feel like in that case, it's like you might have some existing uh, stuff that you're kind of going to draw upon. But yeah. it's if you're a person who is shy like that or isn't used to talking about what you really love, getting on the phone with a stranger, you can let go of some of that because it's like you may never talk to them again. They don't know you they don't they don't live in your city you know you can let it loose yep well let's talk a little bit about what we're doing at grinder oh, um yeah. when i think about why did i come to grinder the fact that it is a platform that just connects members of our community for whatever they need is sort of a social justice value and i feel like just keeping the service on right now for people to have someone to reach out to who is also queer to talk to, to flirt with, so that they feel less alone, like that is the core of what we've always offered and what I think we're offering right now at this moment. Yep. But also from my program that's really focused on health and human rights for people, we've really seen that this is an incredible opportunity to communicate with our community members all over the world, many of whom are not receiving good information about the pandemic from their governments or from their community leaders. And even if they are, they almost certainly are not receiving good information that addresses how this pandemic intersects with LGBTQ health and sort of other LGBTQ issues. Right. So we're just really trying to take full advantage of the fact that we touch So many millions of gay, bi, and trans people every day and get that information out there in local languages that uh, sort of supports and lifts up local services that LGBTQ organizations are very quickly pivoting to. So that's things like some LGBT centers might usually be doing group therapy every week for trans people or for HIV positive people. And they... Are many of them are shifting that to being online psychosocial support, online group support. And we're just using our sort of geolocation services to make sure that the people who are in those communities who might want to access those services know about them and can get what they need.
0: What you said, it's just so important. I think Grindr is up to almost 5 million a day who are logging in. Is that right? Right. I know you do messages that are to people locally that are coming from the local groups. Is that right? Right, right. I mean, you know, my big commitment when I
1: came into the company was, let's make sure that whatever we do is flexible enough that it can be driven by the local activists in these discrete pockets of users, because I feel pretty connected to LGBTQ movements around the world. but. I'm never going to know what people need, like the local activists, right? I mean, yep. you know, I I sort of take that as a given. And so, you know, this is just one more moment where we can um, use our reach to augment the great work that local activists are already doing. And I think last time I checked, we were doing not the coronavirus general messages, but like specific LGBTQ-focused coronavirus-related services um, and advertisements for them in 48 countries Wow! uh, so far. So, you know, it's really... That's what really excites me about this position is that I just... uh, You know, this is such a unique global crisis, and we are in an incredible position to deal with it globally and support our community really everywhere
0: that's incredible what you're saying really just makes me think so deeply about that we just all really need to stay connected in whatever ways we can right now yeah so just so grateful for you doing your work and for stopping by today and is there anything else you want to say to our people as as we go I guess, you know, the only other thing that comes to my mind is when I think about, like,
1: what have I learned in the last five years of doing this job and traveling globally and just from my whole life being among queers is that we are such a resilient community. We've had to be. We survived. I mean, so many of us have survived so many different instances of homophobia, biphobia, transphobia and built lives that we love, despite all of those challenges. And I just feel like if there are people who are feeling really downtrodden by this whole situation, I hope that one thing that we can keep in mind is we have overcome so much, especially sort of with our community solidarity. And I really believe that we will be able to get through this as well. I hope that that can be, and that has certainly been an uplifting thought for me. And I just want to share that with anyone who's really suffering mentally right now.
0: Thanks, honey. We're going to get through this and we're going to get through it together. Absolutely. All right. Love you.
1: Love you too.
0: Thanks for coming. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, it's time for that quick break in the pod where I thank my sponsors. You know, it's not easy to get sexual liberation work funded, and I can't thank these generous visionary sponsors enough. The Freeman Foundation, centering Eros and sexual liberation in the LGBTQ movement for justice. The Wild Geese Foundation, working to defend human rights and grow food sovereignty. Elizabeth Scott, a longtime mapper and philanthropist based in Minneapolis, and finally, Grinder for Equality, leveraging the power of our social and sexual connections for LGBTQ human rights around the world. Thanks, everyone. That's a wrap. I hope you are well. I hope you are breathing. I hope you are staying connected to the people, nature, and daily practices that help you remember yourself, your strengths, your brazenness your worth more emergency podcasts are in the works as we grow emergent strategies together for surviving and thriving in this challenging moment and the next i want to suggest that while our in-person interactions are contracting our phone text email snail mail and video connections must expand And we can be expansive in them. We can be brazen, vulnerable, ever more true to ourselves. We can still want more from this world and from each other. We can still want. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please head over to iTunes and give us a zillion stars. Send a link to your friends. Talk us up. If you'd like to respond to the show or stay connected, find us on social media under Just Sex Podcast and Desire Mapping. And if you have questions for me about your desire map or comments, you can email me at justsexpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Like we both agree on what to do, and. I-